All right, good morning. How's everybody doing today? It's awesome to see you. Isn't it great to be here? Like, we're not just going through the motions, right? Like, God is real. He's here. He's with us. He's speaking to every one of us. And I just invite you to step into that today, to embrace all that God has for your life. We're in a series uh, on the book of Joshua. We just kicked it off last week. And this is a series, this is a book all about pursuing God's promise for our life. And we're pursuing that promise through a greater Joshua. And his name is Jesus. Those of you who were here last week, you, you heard that Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. It's Joshua. Jesus is our greater Joshua. And through Jesus, we get to pursue all the promises of God on our life. It's pretty cool. Well, in case you missed last week, just want to catch you up a little bit, bring into the story. Um, the book of Joshua really begins on kind of a downer. It starts with Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. Moses is gone. And it is this moment of probably fear and uncertainty as to what God's doing. It's a big moment of transition as God begins to bring forward his succession plan. And what we learned um, last week is that God is always going to be with his people no matter what. Do you guys believe that today? The God who was with us then is with us now. He's already there in our tomorrow. That's our God. And, and I just think for us as a church family, this is a, this is a promise that we're going to want to hold on to and put in our heart. Because we as a church, we're walking through a transition. We're walking through a season of change. You know, not only is it just cultural change, coronavirus, all these layers, but, you know, Dom and, and Chick, they're stepping down. Right? Our, our Moses and our Aaron are stepping away. And so it's this season of uncertainty and maybe some fear as to what the future might hold. And what we learn in the story of Joshua is that the God who was with us then is going to be with us now and he's going to be with us tomorrow. Seasons change, but God never changes. And so what I just want to encourage our church today as we walk through this season, because I know this is hard, there are questions. I just want you to remember that God has our journey under control and that he's going to lead us to where we need to be. And our elders believe that as we're praying, as we're seeking God's direction. I want to ask you today to trust God, begin to pray for us as we put a plan together because God's not done with our church. He has promises to fulfill, right? Not just for the past 40 years, but for the next 40 years, for the generations to come. And so I just think maybe today we remember those, remember those four statements we made at the end of the week last week? I think those are so important for us. What is it? God is on the throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar. We don't want to listen to him. Faith is our victory. Man, that's it right there. God's on the throne. His promises are true devil's a liar, not going to listen to him, but it's our faith that's going to win the victory. We're moving forward in faith, trusting God. He has our journey under control. 
And so here's Joshua. You know, God's called Joshua forth. Um, Joshua's going to lead God's people into victory over the promised land. That's the basic story. And, and what God's people are going to experience is they're going to see God begin to fulfill a promise that is 600 years in the making. How awesome is that? This is the promise God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 600 years later, God is fulfilling this promise through Joshua. The victory's already been won. Battles are still to be fought, but the victory's been won. Two things never change. God never changes, and his word never changes. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I recently came across a set of instructions, and they're from a Peace Corps manual for volunteers that wanted to go into the Amazon jungle. So I don't know, maybe you want to go to the jungle. Um, this would be the instruction book that you would carry with it. And one of the pages had instructions under the heading, how to survive an anaconda attack. So that's reason number one why well, I'm not planning on going to the Amazon jungle anytime soon. Uh, I don't know, what would you do if you came across a giant anaconda? Scream, what else? Cry? <laughs> run! Man, if I saw a snake, especially an anaconda, I'm going to run. Well, um, this, this instruction manual basically gave some instructions how to survive an anaconda attack. I hope you never need these instructions, but just in case you do, go with me on this one. This is what the Peace Corps manual said. If you're attacked by an anaconda, Rule number one, do not run. The anaconda is faster than you. <laughs> I already would have been dead because I would have taken off running. Um, but rule one, don't run. I don't know if these are true. This could all be urban legend, but we're just going with it, okay? So first thing I would do is run. Apparently, that's bad. I would be dead. Um, so how do I survive the anaconda attack? Rule two, lie flat on the ground. <laughs> you guys can practice with me. Um, put your arms tight against your sides and your legs tight against one another. Stay completely still. Tuck your chin in. All right, you guys want to go with me on this? Close your eyes. You got it? Rule four. The snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. <laughs> Is anyone completely creeped out right now? <laughs> like, I'm just already starting to panic. Uh, rule five says don't panic, so it's already too late. <laughs> oh. Rule six. After the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you <laughs> from the feet. <laughs> Always from the feet end. <laughs> uh, when the snake has reached your knees, oh, oh hold on, I missed something. Um, <laughs> I forgot rule seven. <laughs> hold on. The snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take some time. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, when the snake has reached your knees, take your knife, slide it into its mouth, rip upwards and sever its head. And then rule nine, be sure you have your knife. <laughs> and rule 10, make sure it's sharp. Okay. How many of you brought your knife today to church? Anybody pocket knife? Okay, we're all dead. I mean, wouldn't it be the worst to get through all rule, you know, like you're lying still, it's swallowing your legs, perfectly still, and it's like, and make sure you have your knife. And you're like, oh no, where's my knife? I left it at home, you know, and the snake swallows you whole. That would be the end. I mean, I think I'm going to take my chances on running, personally. <laughs> um, but guys, the same thing is true in your life. This is where I'm going with this. Um, because life is a jungle sometimes, and there are many battles that we face. Um, Joshua is a book of battles. There are many things that can swallow us up. I, I just think of many people today who are being swallowed up under bills or financial fears. There are relationships that we have that have been swallowed up by anger and offense and bitterness. There, there are some of us here today that are working jobs that are literally choking the life out of us. And the question I have today is, did you bring your knife? Did you bring a knife to the battle? Did you take your knife into the jungle? Because the word of God is the most effective knife there is. Amen? The book of Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged what? Sword. God's given you a sword to take into the battle, to fight the anacondas. Right? So in this jungle of life, God has given us a sword. Right? It can, it can separate joints and marrow, soul and spirit. And we have an opportunity to take that sword into the battle with us every day. But the problem is, you can't use a knife that's at home sitting on the shelf. And today, Josh, God's going to teach Joshua rule 9 and 10. Bring the sword, make sure it's sharp. And that sword is the word of God. And I just want you to think today, you wouldn't go into the Amazon without a knife. We shouldn't go into our lives every single day without the Word of God. It's powerful, it's effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. So listen to what God says to Joshua about his Word. Joshua 1, verse 7 and 8. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. This is what God tells Joshua about his Word. I love this. God says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from, from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful in whatever you do. Everybody say successful. Successful. Interesting. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and what? Successful. God's given us a sword to take into battle. What if this sword is the secret to our success and victory in the daily struggles? 
That's what I want to look at today. Let's pray. We'll dive in. Father, thanks for today. Thanks for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that when we read your word, it's a moment to experience your presence. God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're here. Father, I just ask that in this time together that we would be challenged to take up your word, to trust it, and to win the victories that you put before us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just a a few quick thoughts today. Number one, first thing that I see here in the book of Joshua is that God really gives us his word to take into battle. Did you guys see that in the passage? God gives us his word to take into the battle. And so Joshua and all God's people are preparing to go into battle. Battles are ahead. And in Joshua's hand is the word of God. This is how Joshua is going to fight his battles. He's going to fight it by trusting in God's word. And God has given us his word to take into battle. Listen to Joshua 1.7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And I just think, when we think about Joshua, we always think of that, be strong and courageous. It's like, Joshua, be strong and courageous. You know, you got the mug, the be strong and courageous mug. But I think sometimes we forget, and we're going to talk about strength and courage next week, by the way, so come back. We need strength and courage today. But I think sometimes we forget that Joshua's strength and courage comes from the Word of God in his hands. That's where he's drawing strength and courage. So Joshua actually has in his possession the very Word of God. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. Be careful, God says, to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. The word law there is the word Torah. And Moses has entrusted to Joshua the Torah that he wrote. Right? Moses writes first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He entrusts Joshua with that book, with that Torah. What is Torah? Torah is teaching or instruction. It's God's teachings about right and wrong. It's, it's, it's instruction on how to live the good life. By the way, it's pointing us to Jesus. It's all fulfilled in Jesus. And so here's Moses. He's written this Torah, this instruction for Joshua and the people to take with them into battle, into the land. Guys, where did Moses get that Torah? Where did he, did he just make it up? Just come out of nowhere? No, no, no. Where did Moses get it? What does it say over and over? It says, the Lord said to Moses, doesn't it? The Lord said to Moses. Moses is listening to God. God is speaking his word to Moses, and Moses is writing it down. It's the very words of God. Just a couple of examples here. Exodus 24.4 says, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. 
God speaking to Moses in Exodus 24, 4 says, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Exodus 17, 14, this is another good one. Then the Lord said to Moses, God is speaking to Moses, write this, Moses, as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. So Moses is hearing from God. He's writing down this instruction. He's handing it to Moses to take with him into the battle. See, Joshua has been entrusted with the very words of Almighty God. The words of the living God are in the hands of Moses. Here's what's so amazing. Those same words are in our hands today, too. Isn't that incredible? What is this? This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. That should just blow us away. The words of the living God are in our hands today to take with us into the battle. It's incredible. Guys, the Bible, it's not just one book. Did you know that? The Bible is actually a library. The Bible is a collection of 66 books. There are the five books of Moses. These are the same five books Moses gave Joshua to take with him in the land. There's the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament. This is a library of 66 books written over the course of 1,500 years by over 40 different authors in three different languages on three different continents. And by the way, it only has one message, and it's the same all the way through because there's only one author, and that author is God. We hold the words of the living God in our hands. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest true story ever told. And it's a story about God's relationship with man. Did you know God wants a relationship with you? That's what this story is about. But you can't make, you can't create your own way to a relationship with God because God's already told us how to do that. It's in this book. That's what this book is all about, and it's pointing us to Jesus, who is the, the living Word of God. So if this is the Word of God, guys, it shouldn't surprise us when this book is attacked at every single level, right? And isn't that happening in our culture even today? Right? This book is constantly under attack. But isn't it interesting? You know, I, I just find this crazy. That we can accept, you guys know Plato, anybody? I, I was a philosophy minor, okay. So we accept Plato and his writings, even though there's only seven original manuscripts and they are written 1,200 years after Plato's life. And we accept that. And yet, what about the New Testament? The New Testament is 6,000 manuscripts with multiple witnesses with the shortest original-to-copy ratio of any other book. And yet people want to challenge this book at every single level. And yet here is a book that has been proven over and over again to be historically true and reliable. Think about just, you know, archaeology. Right? You read this book and you learn about all these things and, you know, even as I've read it to my daughter, she's like, you know, Dad, are these things true? Guys, this has been proven over and over. People say all kinds of things. You, you're, they said, um, the, the, the critics questioned whether there ever were Hittites. You guys heard of the Hittites in the Bible? Okay. They questioned, are there, were there ever even Hittites? We don't have any evidence for that. People doubted whether David, King David, was a real person. Um, 
they wondered whether uh, there ever was actually a, a king in Babylon named Belshazzar. I think uh, Chick talked about that guy. Archaeology has proven those things over and over again. And I just want to encourage you guys today that this book is true. It's been tested, tried, proven over and over again. Um, I, I just want to share one, one more quote on, uh, on the archaeology. Um, an archaeologist named Dr. Nelson Gluck said, It may be clearly stated that no archaeological discovery has ever contradicted a single biblical reference. Instead, scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. There's so much we could say about that, but I am just excited. Ooh, I almost lost my voice. I'm excited today that there is no scholarship, there is no argument that can stand against the Word of God. So this is cool. We have the words of God. Kids, this should be like super exciting for you today. This is God's Word. It's true. And God gives that to Joshua. And he says, take my words into the battle. I've given you a knife to take onto the battlefield. And what I want you guys to understand today is that this word, trusting this word and obeying this word, it's the secret to our success. God doesn't want us to live defeated. He wants us to walk in the victory that's already been won in Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean there aren't battles doesn't mean there are hard days. But this book becomes the secret to our success in navigating the challenges that we face every single day. Maybe you've heard uh, some stories about pilots and how they use their instrument panel to navigate their aircraft. Uh, let me just uh, read you this guy. His, his name is Ken Crockett, and he, he tells this story. This is, this is incredible. Um, this is what he says about the instruments in an airplane. Ken Crockett says, Inside every airplane are instruments that are critical to flying the aircraft. The instruments will give a true reading of how the aircraft is flying, even if the pilot's mind may tell him differently. On a clear sunny day, a pilot may not need some of these instruments. But at night or in poor visibility, these instruments become vital to his survival. Many planes have crashed because the pilot became disoriented and failed to trust his instruments. While attending Texas M, Jeff Patton and I became friends as members of the Corps of Cadets. He is now Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Patton and flew as an F-15 fighter pilot in Desert Storm. On the first night of the war, his mission was to escort a large nation of fighters in bombing a chemical weapons plant in northern Iraq. The date for Desert Storm was chosen because the absence of moonlight and the high clouds helped the attacking Allied fighters from being detected by enemy defenses. Flying in total darkness, the pilots became completely dependent upon their instruments. Can you imagine the scene? Total darkness, right? Flying, trusting your instruments. This is what happens. Shortly after crossing into Iraq, Colonel Patton's jet was locked on to 
by an Iraqi surface-to-air missile. He violently maneuvered his aircraft to break the radar's lock on it. His maneuver successfully broke the lock, but it created a new problem. Those radical movements in the dark threw off the balance of his inner ear. Any of you ever experienced that loss of balance? So you can imagine, like, you know, beep, getting locked on by radar, and it's like, phew, he just, you know, throws his plane in these maneuvers, and he gets dizzy. It throws him off his inner ear. And what happens is he gets dizzy, and he actually becomes disoriented. And it says here, um, the story goes, his mind was telling him his plane was in a climbing right turn. But when he checked his instruments, they indicated he was in a 60-degree dive towards the ground. He was so sure he was in a climb instead of a dive, and his mind was screaming at him to lower the nose of his F-15 to halt the climb. While his mind commanded him to correct the plane in one direction, his instruments instructed him to do just the opposite. Because he was flying in total darkness, he had to decide quickly whether to trust his mind or his instruments. His life depended on making the correct choice. Wow. Even though it took everything within him to overcome what his mind was telling him, he decided to trust his instruments. He rolled his wings level and pulled his F-15 upward, which drew seven times the force of gravity. Wow. Pulling the aircraft out of its dive, it only took a few minutes to realize he had made the right decision. If he had lowered the nose of his jet like his mind had been telling him, he would have crashed the plane. Trusting his instruments saved his life. God has given us an instrument to take into battle. And the secret to our success, guys, is not trusting our feelings. It's not trusting our instincts. It's trusting our instruments. Because culture will lead us into a dizzying, disorienting spell. And the secret to our success is trusting the instrument God has given us. Right? It saved his life. It can save our life. Listen to this. As God invites Joshua to trust his word as he goes into battle. And listen to the secret of his success. Joshua 1, 7, 8. Be strong and courageous. Be very careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God's telling Joshua, Joshua, here's the secret to your success. Know this word. Don't stray from it. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Trust your instrument, and it's going to give you success. And you read the story, and what happens? They trust God's word. They're successful. There's a story where um, there's a guy named Aiken, remember? kind of goes with his gut. He trusts his feelings. And Israel's defeated that day because they didn't follow the word of God. This book really is the secret to our success. It doesn't mean that there won't be battles. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. It means that this is the instrument 
that's going to help you successfully navigate through those challenges. Does that make sense? So maybe today, maybe today it's your marriage. You would say, hey, you know what? My marriage is going through a season of defeat right now. And I just got to wonder, what could God do in your life, in your marriage? How could he transform that if you would say, you know what? And then let's be the ones to initiate this. Let's get into God's word together. Let's, as a married couple, study this book. Connect with the heart of God and begin to apply this to your life, our lives. How could that change our marriages? How could that change our, our, our singleness? Right? If we would begin to pursue God in his word. You know, I think about um, many of us here today, man, maybe you're going through a, a financial struggle or you, know, you made some decisions financially that you wish you wouldn't have made or you, you bought some things that you wish you wouldn't have bought. Maybe you came here today in that thing you shouldn't have bought. As what could God do in our lives financially? If we would come to his word and we would learn how to honor God in our, fi our finances. This book is a powerful book. Right? It can help us in so many different ways. In our relationships. Man, God, teach me. Teach me how to navigate these relational challenges that I'm going through. This book can help you through that. God, help me. Maybe you're here today and just saying, how can I connect with God at a deeper level? That's this book. I think even a, um, you know, in the area of leadership, this book has so much to teach us in the area of leadership. And you know, I mentioned China last week, and um, Angie and I had a, an opportunity uh, two, years, uh, two years in a row, I think it was, was it two years in a row? Yeah, two summers in a row, we went to China to help their top uni university students learn about servant leadership using biblical principles. And guess what? The atheistic Chinese government allowed us to do that. Why would they do that? Because they understand that the principles in this book are powerful principles. Even an atheistic, communistic government understands that. Why do you think they're coming against this book so much? Because this book is a powerful book. This is a life-changing book. And it's going to help you navigate the challenges you're facing in your life. How many of us have uh, either experienced ourselves personally or watched somebody that we really love crash in life because they didn't follow this book? There's a great quote by Spurgeon. Spurgeon says, a Bible that's falling apart probably belongs to someone who isn't. Let me say that another time. A Bible that's falling apart probably belongs to someone who isn't. What if this book really is the secret to success in navigating our lives together? We have the word of God to take into battle. It's our secret to success. Why? Because it connects us with our God. And so the question is, very practically, how do we equip ourselves to walk in victory? How do I get equipped to walk in victory? This is where I want to apply it to our life. Joshua in this passage is told to do three things with the word. And we could do a lot of teaching on this, but I just want to share them briefly. Um, 
God tells Joshua to do three things with the scripture. Number one, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep it always on your lips. In other words, talk about it. Isn't it amazing when you love God's word, you start to talk about it? Start to pray it? It becomes a part of your conversation? Right? The word of God. Um, what did Jesus say about, about the words of our mouth? They, they come from our heart, right? And so when this, this book is on our lips, it's coming from our heart. So right, keep this book of law always on our lips. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's pray it. Let's put it in our conversations. And one of the ways we can do that here at Hope is, is just small groups. Small groups are a place to talk about God's word. Uh, there, there's some great studies, um, discouraging studies, if you're a pastor. Uh, they, they've said uh, people only remember 20% of what they hear. And so I'm fully realizing that today you're only remembering about 20% of what I tell you, and probably the 20% involves a story about an anaconda. <laughs> so you're going to be like, hey, you guys remember that Sunday Brian told us a story about the anaconda? And you're like, yeah, that was amazing. What was he talking about again that day? <laughs> so really, we only remember about 20% of what we hear, but we can remember up to 70% of what we discuss. So how important then is it to be in a group of people discussing the word of God? It's huge. It's life-changing. So don't do this battle alone. Get in community with some other people to talk about God's word. It's one of the most powerful things we can do. We're starting a new semester right now, small groups. Um, we've got four small groups. And uh, if you want to be in a small group, sign up online. Talk to me. Talk to one of our group leaders. Get connected. Right? Keep that word of God always on your lips. Right? It's going to be hard to talk about God's word with the world if we have trouble even talking about it with other believers. So this is the place to start. Let's begin to talk about the word of God. Um, number two, he says meditate. God says, Joshua, meditate on this book day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Read it. Read it. Study it. Spend time in it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. It's this idea of... And I'm going to make it a habit in my life to spend time in the Word of God. I want to start my day in God's Word. I want to win the victory in the morning by the very first thing I want to do every morning. I want to spend time in God's Word. You guys know why I start my day every day? It's how I win the day, by winning my morning. Because I promise you, if you will start your day in God's Word, you will have a better day. And it's not because you don't have problems, because every day has its battles. Every day has a problem. But when you start your day in God's Word, you have a better day because... You've connected with a better God. And so we have this opportunity to be in God's word. Know this book. Meditate on it day and night. It's the secret to success in life. So keep it on your lips. Talk about it. Meditate on it day and night. Read it. Last one, number three. We'll end with this. Um, he says, be careful to obey all that I have commanded you. So we're going to obey it. I want to trust this instrument. And I'm going to be careful to obey everything that it said. My, I'm going to submit my life to the authority of Scripture. Which, by the way, is what we do as a church. I, our, we are submitting our lives to the authority of Scripture here at Hope Community Church. It's just this idea that I'm not going to pick and choose what I like and don't like but I'm surrendering my life 
to Jesus and to his word, and I'm going to be careful to obey all that's written in it. That's how we fight our battles, guys. And I know it's a battle, right? Daily battles, home, family, at work. The way we fight our battles by, let's remember our night, the battles through the power of the word of God. These are the words of God. God wants to speak to you. Are you too young or too old to hear God speak to you? No way. God wants to speak to you. He wants a relationship with you. And you can learn about that in God and his word. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God and you want a relationship with God, Jesus said, he sang about it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the word of God made flesh. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's never been a better day than today to trust God for forgiveness and a brand new relationship with God and eternal life. This is his word, given to us to carry into the battle. So I challenge you guys. I'm going to challenge you. Seven days, start your day in God's word. Start in something easy. You don't have to start in Leviticus. In fact, I wouldn't re- recommend it. <laughs> maybe start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Maybe start in, I don't know, Ephesians or something like that. Revelation. Nah, that is a cool book, though. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thanks for your, your word. Thanks for loving us so much that you spoke so that we could hear you. Thank you for speaking to us in your son, Jesus. God, how we need to hear your voice. So I pray that this week, as as we go forward, I just ask that you would bring us to that place of meditating in your word day and night. God, I just pray that you would meet us in those moments in a powerful way. And that we would begin to experience all the wisdom, all the hope, all the promises that you have for every one of us. Let me just ask that in Jesus' name.